Today, uh, we, we get to open God's Word together like, uh, like we do every time we gather. Um, and today, uh, we're going to be in a, a bunch of places, but we're going to end in um, a book that I don't think I've ever preached from before. Um, the book of Titus, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. That's where we're going to end. Um, but we're going to go a few different places on the way to that. It will be up on the screen. But if you'd like to turn to something, that's, that's the one to do, Titus. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Um, <clears throat> so I uh, was planning, we'll see how this goes, uh, to share just a few of my memories as we started uh, today. Um, but today we're, we're talking about what it means uh, to be uh, good enough. And I'll tell you... Um, that was a question I asked myself a lot when I first started here at Bethel. Was I, um, was I good enough uh, to be a pastor at this church? Um, um, one of the things that one of my favorite things to do here is play softball. And those of you that have seen me play softball uh, know that if we're using objective measures of good enough, <laughs> I may not quite be good enough to play softball, but I, I, got, uh, I got to, uh, and there was a lot of grace, a lot of grace there. Um, and it's funny the things that, that you remember um, from those first years. Uh, Linda had me look for some, some pictures from when I first started, and so I was looking at all these pictures. And, and a few came up, and I, I've got them here, and, and I'll just talk through them. So the first one up there, um, uh, I apologize to Shelly. I know she doesn't want me to have this picture, but that was the very first thing that I ever attended at Bethel. That was from the Night of Song, uh, and the special came up, and they were special. And I remember uh, laughing uh, so much and, and wondering, oh my goodness, and we just got there like a day ago, and I'm thinking, this is going to be an interesting place. <laughs> oh, um, that second one is, is one I actually look back to a lot. That was waiting for us uh, when we arrived in the parsonage. The mission of this church is to be a place where um, people grow in their love for God and love for others. And I think about that. What's that, Patrick? Your battery's going. Oh. Check, check, check. Hey, people are like, this is never going to end. No. <laughs> um, another one of my, my favorites is there in the middle. Before I came to um, this community, I, I used to tell people that I understood that meat came from packages, eggs, the grocery store. Uh, and this was my first time uh, ever being close to, uh, to cows before. This is on Tim Peterson's, uh, Tim Peterson's farm. And thanks to my dad's wisdom, he said, we should go there and help for just a day. And a day was, was, was wonderful, but man, I don't, know how, I don't know how you do it in there, uh, Tim, every single day, twice a day. Um, over there, of course, is the softball field. This, I thought you guys would like. This is a picture we took as we came up to move to this community. Um, so we loaded our little U-Haul truck, just Aaron and I, and our cooler full of Cokes. Uh, and so that's us, us on our way. Um, but there are so many things uh, that I, I remember, um, whether it was uh, teaching, uh, doing fusion with some of you, uh, sitting around tables and eating with people, uh, delivering Mick Dodge's prayer shawls, um, laughing, hearing stories, watching students grow. Um, my first year here, I was so nervous. People uh, have told me this, um, <laughs> and I remember, but they also remember. I remember my first service, I was so nervous, I forgot uh, to take the offering. Uh, and I think the next week, I spilled the communion uh, juice. So 
it was a, it was a good start, and this was a place that was so uh, patient with me. Um, if you remember that first year, we had about a thousand funerals, um, and it was the serving circle ladies in the basement that held me up as I was learning what it meant to do a funeral, and that offered me helpful advice. <laughs> I remember uh, trying to find a way to not eat 50 cookies every day if I was going out visiting. Um, uh, I remember trying things, one of my favorite things that we ever tried that wasn't well received. Uh, maybe if you were here then, you remember this. Um, I had got this idea that, you know, we weren't filling up the sanctuary because, you know, for lots of reasons. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rope off the back four pews. This was an idea that they had given me in seminary. Um, and it was a terrible idea. And so I... I I roped them off and I put little signs that said, you know, please don't sit in these back pews. Come sit forward. We want to, you know, be together and experience it. And, and I'll never forget watching people just pick up the cord and sit down. <laughs> because it was their spot for crying out loud. Oh. Uh, so it's just funny. Um, one of the things uh, on that, that subject of good enough, Aaron will tell you that for the first um, at least, well, the first few years I was here, I was, I was so nervous. I remember I would have um, nightmares all the time. My favorite nightmare now, looking back, was that people during the sermon, we're going to test it out today, just gradually got up and left one by one <laughs> until it was completely empty. Uh, and then the other one that I used to have all the time um, was, and it was, it was you, Steve, uh, look out. Uh, it was, I'd be waking up in the parsonage to Steve Johnson tapping on the bedroom window to say it was time to get over to church. I was so afraid. And, and I remember um, that, that question on that, on that last side, asking myself, do I have what it takes to be a, a minister? Do, am, I, am I good enough? I, I think we all, on one level or another, ask this question about the places that we are in our families. Do, do I have enough? Am, am, I, am I good enough for respect for my job, for the place that I am, and, and I think many of us um, fight, and myself included, and we, and we worry and we stress out, Are, am, I, am I good enough? We have nightmares about it. We're desperate to convince ourselves that we are good enough. When we get in a conflict with someone, a lot of times it's about that. Do you think you're better than me? That's why we compare ourselves with each other. Sometimes, um, you know, we're so desperate to convince ourselves that we're good enough that we do all kinds of things we shouldn't do uh, that aren't good for ourselves or for others. Um, well, today we're, we're, we're going to talk about this, this question, uh, and the Bible actually, <sighs> sorry, the Bible asks this question uh, a lot too. Um, who is going to be good enough and who isn't? And sometimes people even use the Bible to tell other people that they're not good enough like, like me. Um, but, but the Bible actually deals with this, this a lot, because if you know the story of Scripture, and we talk about this a lot in our confirmation class, and I've hoped while I've here been here to, to tell this story as much as possible, but if you know uh, the story of the, of the whole Old and New Testament, everything works together to tell kind of one big story about who God is. And one of that themes, uh, who is, is good enough, because on the very first page of the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates the animals people and everything in it, and he calls everything good. And if you're in confirmation, he calls the human beings. Do you remember what he calls the human beings after he calls everything good? Tre Trevor knows. We just did this. Uh, no, I'm not going to put you on the spot. He calls them very good. 
And so we know that God made the human beings good and that he uh, designed us uh, for good. But if you know the story, if you know what happens on page two of the Bible, uh, you see the very first time human beings were not good enough. Uh, when Adam and Eve, they eat from, from that tree. As you continue to read the book of Genesis, you read the story of Cain uh, killing his brother Abel. And throughout the whole story of Scripture, this question looms, is there ever going to be someone, a human being, who's good enough to, to set right the mess that the world sometimes seems to be in. Uh, as you continue through every hero in the Old Testament, they ask this question, are they going to be good enough? Is Noah, Noah's the one good person left on earth um, before the flood? And, and so you wonder, is, is Noah going to be good enough? But when he steps off the boat, uh, he's cursing his children and he's not good enough. Later on, Abraham, the father of Israel, the nation of Israel, uh, you know, is this, this man that knows God, that follows God, that's learning to trust God. Uh, the hero of the faith in the Old Testament, Abraham, uh, he can't trust God even though God's given him everything. And, he, and he's not quite good enough. And so the Old Testament, it keeps asking, is someone ever going to come who's going to be able to be good enough to help deal with this, uh, this cycle of problem and sin and hurt and the way that people treat each other terribly? Uh, Moses, he, he um, helps set free. God uses Moses to set the Israelites free from slavery. Uh, but even Moses, he's, he's not good enough. He tries to stand in God's place and, and can't enter the promised land because of it. The first king of Israel, a man named Saul, um, strong, powerful, good king, uh, he's, he's not good enough. He gets corrupted by his power in the Old Testament. David, his successor, the best, favorite, most awesome king in all of Israel, he abuses his power and kills to cover it up. Not good enough. If you read the Old Testament and you ever are looking for someone to compare yourself with, you can find in every person, every um, story, is a story of people who are close, who God is blessing and has great hopes for, but, but they all fall short. They're not good enough. Um, a lot of times people think the Bible paints this rosy picture of the world and of uh, God's people, people that follow God, but, but it's not true. It's full of stories of priests uh, taking advantage of their position, of heroes with fatal flaws, of kings that rule as tyrants, of the rich abusing the poor, the whole Old Testament tells that same story again and again, that no matter how much they hope somebody might be just good enough to make it, they fall short. Um, and, and I don't know about you, uh, but if you're, if you're like me, you know that we don't actually need the Old Testament to know that that happens in life, right? Because all of our, all of our people that we can think of, all of our heroes, uh, whoever it is that you like the most, whether it's uh, people from the past or today, or the, the founding fathers or the great thinkers or, or whatever, um, give it enough time and we find out, right? They're not. They're not good enough. Because we live in the same world that they did. Wait long enough, dig deep enough into a hero or a mentor or a parent or a prophet or a president, and you will find their inconsistency, won't you? They're compromised. They're not good enough. The Old Testament doesn't tell a unique story. It tells a story that we've all lived again and again and again. And most of us can think of times when others put their hope in us and we were not good enough for that hope. Um, the Bible word for this not good enough, this inconsistency, is, is evil or 
or sin. Um, I, I like the, I can't remember which bat, I'm going to use a Batman line. Well, it, the, I can't remember which Batman movie this is in, uh, but, I, but I think it's true. Uh, the line for the Batman, it, it seems true to me. You know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. Dark Knight 2008, citation needed. Yes, perfect. Um, and it reminds us that even those who do leave a heroic legacy, even those who seem to be good enough to capture something special, uh, they're discovered, our best are discovered at that time or years later to have not lived up to the stories told about them, to be not good enough. And so the Bible, it's asking this question all throughout the Old Testament, and it's, and it's looking for someone to be, to be good enough. And so the question is, is anyone able to do that? Is anyone going to be good enough to set this messed up, difficult world right where nobody, even the best of them, seem to fall short? Um, well, of course, if you get uh, to the New Testament, Jesus actually sums up this question. Uh, he says it in um, Mark chapter 10, verse 18. Uh, when someone uh, is talking to him about being good, uh, Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. Or Paul, um, Paul gets it right too in the New Testament. He quotes Psalm 53. He says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is, is good enough, no matter how hard we look. Or of course, his, his other famous line, uh, those of you, uh, I'm sure know this one well, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if the Old Testament is desperately searching for a person who is good enough and coming up empty, the New Testament reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is good except God alone. And so if you're, you're like me, uh, sometimes today, uh, especially when I started in, in some aspects of my life and in others, if you're, if you're like me and your question is, am I good enough, are we good enough, or are they good enough, the short answer, <laughs> it's not a very exciting, fun answer, the short answer is, is, is no. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible tells us uh, that, that, that we're not, that I'm not, that you're not, and whoever it is that you're imagining is, well, probably that person, um, except maybe one, uh, they're not either. Uh, Because if you live long enough, if you're honest with yourself and with others, you start to see it in yourself. You start to see the ways that you fall short, the ways that you harm others, the ways that I um, am selfish or or whatever that is. We we see it. Um, Usually it's easier to see in other people, (laughs) right? How they're not quite good enough. Uh, And we respond to this in all sorts of ways, right? Some try harder to get there. Some ignore it. Um, Other people, they they justify and excuse their sin and evil and say, well, it's okay that I'm doing this because you wouldn't believe what they're doing. Um, But eventually, many of us, we give up and we say, well, people are just bad and so am I. But the Bible has a a different answer to this question, uh, this statement. If no one is is good enough, the Bible has has an answer to this. As it searched through the whole Old Testament for the good enough person, there's an answer to this question. And the Bible's answer, uh, Scripture's answer, the church's answer, the body of Christ's answer, uh, in the story of the world is the person of Jesus. Uh, we believe that, that none of us are good enough except for one person was because we believe uh, that when God couldn't find a human being who was good enough, 
He sent his son to be a human being. Fully God and fully human, ready to be the one person who's good enough. We believe in in this church that that one person, the only one good enough, that he walked the earth and he proved it over the course of his life. He lived a life of perfect love for God and perfect love for others. Even when the people that he loved captured him and, and beat him and hung him up on a cross. And we believe that Jesus, that good enough person, that he died uh, on, in, in our stead, that he died on our behalf for our sin and evil and not good enough and death, and that we believe he rose again uh, from the dead for our life. Uh, that's, that's what we believe, that where there wasn't anyone who was good enough, uh, Christ, God and human, was able to be that person. He lived and died and rose on our behalf. And so we believe in the church, and this is what the Bible teaches, um, that even though I'm not good enough and you're not good enough, and no matter how hard you try, um, no offense, there's some really good people at this church, but you're not going to get there on your own. Um, Even though we're not good enough, Jesus died for us anyway. In fact, uh, before we could have even imagined turning to him, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the unrighteous. We believe that even though we're not good enough, even though uh, for parts of our lives we begin as enemies of God, Jesus died and rose for us anyway. Uh, The book of Titus, this is why I had you turn there, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it puts it like this. It says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. I think it captures it so well in this next line. We lived in malice and envy. I I can't think of a better way to describe some of the difficult parts of our world today than uh, living in malice (laughs) towards others and envy of others. And he captures it even better in the next line. He says, we lived in malice and envy, being hated by one another and hating one another. Good thing we never see that in our world today, right? Thank goodness. (laughs) No, right? (laughs) The author says, uh, one time we were not good enough. We were trapped in evil and in sin, being hated by and hating one another, but... Those are always the best words in Scripture. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior, while we were trapped in hatred that we couldn't get out of, not good enough, when the kindness and love of our Savior, our God, appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous, the good things that we had done, but because of his great mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and by a renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Uh, This, we believe, is the good news that underlies everything that we do as a church. This is the good news that in a few minutes we're going to act out in baptism. This is the good news that we gather weekly to sing about, to read about, and to support each other in believing. This is good news that is at work in the best of anything that this community does. 
And it's the good news that is at the foundation of anything good that happens as a result of this church and this body. And the good news is this, that you and me are not good enough, but Jesus is good enough for us. And not good enough for us like, I don't know if they're good enough for me, but Jesus is good enough on our behalf. We are not good enough, but Jesus in his death and resurrection is good enough on our behalf. And so uh, we don't um, compare with each other and condemn each other because we know that that person's not good enough, but Jesus is good enough on their behalf. Uh, we don't have to hide our failings and our sin and our evil and pretend we are anyone else. Uh, we pretend we anyone else is some sort of untouchable hero because we know that I'm not good enough for God, but Christ is good enough on my behalf. Uh, we can avoid quarrels. If you read the rest of Titus, this is tied into that. We can avoid quarrels about the law, and we can invite avoid pointless arguments and culture wars because we know that it's not me or you or this church that's good enough for God, but God that was good enough on our behalf. We can try and love God and love each other and build each other up because we know at the end of the day it's not about if I'm good enough or not. It's not because we're good enough, but because we have a Savior who was good enough for us. Though all have sinned, all are justified freely through God's grace and the redemption that comes by Jesus. Another favorite, you know this one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. This one's my favorite from John. I, I like to read this at funerals when I have to pick the text. Um, for it is God's will, Jesus says this, that whoever looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life and be raised up on the last day. If it, I wanted you guys to take anything or hear anything from me this last uh, service, it's this, that, that again, you are not good enough, but Jesus is good enough for you. And that's, that's it. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be in the church, to believe that even though you're not good enough, Christ is good enough for you. That's, that's it. Everything else is icing. Everything else is extra. Everything else is, is fun and nice and exciting. But, but, but the thing, the meat, you know, we talked about last week, I used to be a waiter, and we're, we're delivering the good news. If, if you're coming to the table with a tray, uh, it better have um, you are not good enough, but Jesus is good enough for you on it. Otherwise, um, what are we even doing, right? <laughs> Today, um, we, get to, we get to baptize a, a baby. And, and we get to act this truth out, this belief that even though I am not good enough, Jesus is good enough for me. Uh, baptism and its promises and practices are a beautiful image of this. Because when we baptize someone, whenever we welcome a child, especially into the church, or, or anyone into the church uh, through, through baptism, we act out this good news. We baptize because we believe that God's grace is not dependent on our goodness, but on God's. And there's no better example of someone who's unable to do anything good than an infant. No offense to the infants in the room. 
The only thing a, a baby can do is cry and depend on someone else's care. Uh, but the truth is that as, as helpless as children are, uh, we are all just as helpless as, as she is. We are all unable to be good enough. We're just as dependent on God's grace as that child is on food and shelter and cleanliness. We're just as not good enough. And so today as we baptize, uh, we make promises based on God's promise to us in many words, but our promises as parents, as godparents, as the church are simple, uh, that we would love uh, baby Marley and teach her that God is good enough for her, and that we would pray for the day when she'll grow up and look towards her Savior and be saved by his grace. Uh, so that's, that's what we do in baptism um, in, in just a moment, and it's a reminder of this key this key, unchangeable truth of the gospel. So what I would like to do now um, is, is pray with you, and then in a moment we'll invite um, baby Marley up and her parents uh, and baptize her together. So let's pray. Dear God, everything that we have is a gift. Because though we just can't be good enough. Though we are selfish, though we are sinful, though we fail you and others all the time, you came and lived and died and rose on our behalf anyway. And while we know that we simply cannot make ourselves the people that we need to be, we know that you died on our behalf anyway while we were still sinners. That by your resurrection, you defeated death and sin and evil, and you invite us, should we put our hope in you, to be made new by that grace. So I pray, Lord, that you uh, would remind us of that truth. And Lord, if there's anyone here that hasn't accepted that gift from you, Lord, I, I pray that you would, um, by your spirit, move in their heart. Remind them that you are good enough on our behalf. And we thank you for the ways that's shown here at this church through love for you and love for others. We thank you uh, for the history and the legacy of this church in sharing that main course, that gospel, that message. And we know, Lord, that no matter what happens here and now, that your good news, that you were good enough on our behalf, will go forward. And so we ask, Lord, that you Help us to follow you faithfully in that. As we get ready to baptize baby Marley, Lord, prepare our hearts uh, to make promises and our hearts to receive your freely offered grace that is separate from anything that we might do to try and earn it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now receive this benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you both now and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>